of the things that I have truly enjoyed about this season, honestly, has been, been what Roland was just describing, is that it has uh, forced us to think a little bit differently about how we consider gathering together as a church. And so there's been groups like this that have been gathering around the city at Third Space Coffee and FH Beer Works and in homes with friends and neighbors. Uh, and it really is a kind of a different way maybe to think about Sunday morning. Uh, but I think a good way to think about Sunday morning and to remember that the church is not just what we do here, uh, gathered together uh, maybe in one location, but we are the church as we live out into the world, regardless of how many we're allowed to gather or what rules are centered around that gathering. So that, that's so fun to see that. Just want to encourage you, if you're watching online and you're looking for a place to jump in into maybe a smaller gathering, uh, to take Roland up on that, we'd love to get you connected with a place to gather with some people uh, and, and to just be the church together. You know, for those of you gathering here today, I, I want to thank you uh, for wearing a mask. I know that that can be a, a little bit uncomfortable and it can be awkward. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like sometimes it can be frustrating to feel like we are taking a step backwards instead of forward with uh, some of what that looks like to gather together. Um, one of the things that is true about this season is I don't think anyone knows what the future holds uh, or what the next few weeks hold uh, in regards to our gathering together. But for now, those masks allow us to continue to stay together, and it's just a really small way, a tangible way we can love our neighbors right now. So thank you for, for doing that. You know, in light of this new reality of us being dispersed and not all together in one place, is that we haven't uh, had as many opportunities to just check in and see how you're doing and, and how, what, what's going on. So this week, we're going to send out an all-church survey to your email. And in that survey is just a handful of questions asking things like what sort of resources and help you may need in this season, how you're feeling about gathering together this fall. We would just love a few minutes of your time to answer those questions and to give us some feedback on the survey. That'll be really helpful to us as we are considering what it looks like uh, in September and August, uh, uh, October, to, to begin pulling some things together as a church. So please take a few minutes and fill out that survey. We'd love for some input and feedback. Now, you might be wondering who this handsome fella is sitting right next to me. If you have a student in our student ministry or you are a student in our student ministry, this man needs no introduction, and likely for most of you, he needs no introduction. Uh, but this is our student pastor, Mark Wendell. Would you welcome him? I'm out. That's it, I'm out. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was enough. Now, many of you have seen Mark on stage leading us in a number of different ways, but I'm excited to have Mark this morning leading us in, in preaching the word as we continue our Armchair Expert series. And so if you missed last week, we had Jerry White with us to kick it off, and this series is really just a chance for us to hear from some different voices, both inside and outside of our church. And we just asked the question, what is it that God has placed upon your heart? And so I'm excited to have Mark share with us some of what uh, God's been showing him. Mark, you spend a lot of time hanging out with students. Not enough. But what do you do when you're not hanging out with students? What fills your time? Let us get to know you a little bit. I love college football. Okay. Hoping that's going to work out. Yeah, we'll see. And I love the game of golf, which some people laugh at because apparently I don't fit the bill for a fan of golf. Huh. But I would play golf every day if I had the time and money for it. I think that's called retirement. Yeah, that could be here pretty soon and be okay with me. We were on our way to a high-altitude high school camp this last year, and there was a volunteer adult leader in the van, and we were trying to get to know one another, and she could believe my love of college football for some reason. She could believe my love of heavy metal music and mosh pits once in a while, but she could not believe my love for the game of golf. So I love it. Right on. Tell us a little bit about your family. 
I, uh, my beautiful wife, Molly Kathleen, works here at the church with our kids and kids ministry, and I have two beautiful adult kids. My son, Cody, just turned uh, 24 last week, and Kyle set me up to make me cry right away by talking about my kids. <laughs> um, and then my daughter, Charlotte, is involved here in ministry at the church. I, our kids are a universe to us, and so, man, it's a sweet gig, and it's so sweet to see some of our high school and college kids here today. I consider them my family, too, so. I love that. It's good to be together. If you're watching on the live stream, Charlotte's one of the people behind the computer making it all happen, stitching together the shots, and we appreciate the way she serves us in that way. You know, Mark, as someone who's worked with you for many years, your passion and just heart for students and student ministry and teaching about Jesus is really obvious to me. Uh, tell us why students, why give the best of your time and energy to this? Well, I, each day, each passing day, I wonder if I'm not too old for it. Um, but I work with these young people, they, I think they keep me younger. Um, but I have so much to learn, and they teach me anytime we gather, anytime we go somewhere, any work, any work we go do together, I learn so much from them, from their hearts and their, their passions and kind of their zeal for life, and you learn maybe from how much other people yet have to learn, and what I've been learning from our students in this last year is how new I still am in my creation and stepping into that newness and transformation that Christ has for me. Um, my students help, our students help get me there, so... This is going to be a rough goal, man. It's good. No, it's great. going to be crying already. Hey, uh, I want to pray for Mark. Would you join me in doing that? We're just going to pray for Mark in the morning, and then he's going to take it from here. All right? Father God, we love you. Uh, we are so grateful for the ways that you love us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the way it has been at work in Mark and the way it will continue to be at work in Mark and just uh, continuing to just remake and redeem and restore every part. We thank you for that work that it, your Holy Spirit does in all of our lives. We pray for this morning as, as Mark preaches and brings this word that you would uh, just guide each piece of it. We pray that you would help us to hear your voice through Mark's voice. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I thought Kyle was going to have to get, help me get out of that chair for a second there. Good morning. That's a good sound to hear voices in person saying good morning. Those of you at home online, good morning to you all as well. It is sweet to be together. How, how was worship today? Oh, amazing. Boy, for Matt stepping in on the drums and Marissa and vocals, Hannah playing keyboards, Kurt shredding on guitar. I love people leading us in worship. What a talented bunch. And boy, Kevin, I don't know too many people like Kevin. Kevin's not even trying. It sounds so good. Don't you wish Kevin would follow you everywhere in your life? He'd be the soundtrack of your life. I'd go to the bank, there'd be no money left in my account. He'd be like, Mark, it's okay. <laughs> Auto mechanic, it's a transmission. Mark, it's gonna be all right. <laughs> I wish Kevin would follow me everywhere. You wanna be around people like that. They're, they're so talented. And we need to pause anytime we do a service like this in person, but especially online for the people who are sitting back there making sure this thing happens every Sunday and every Wednesday. People on the soundboard, people running the computer, people who are transfer, transferring images online, YouTube and on our church website. Wayne, thank you for leading on the soundboard today. I hope I'm not a nightmare during this service with my beard. Andrew, thank you for running slides. Charlotte, for your, and Cindy, thank you always for your leadership, getting us where we're supposed to be. What happens up front doesn't happen with the most important stuff happening that takes place back there. Let's hear it for those folks. I agree. As Kyle alluded to a few minutes ago, this is week two of our Armchair Expert series. Jerry White did an amazing job kicking things off for us last week. 
He's an incredibly bright man. I will seem like a knuckle-scraping gorilla compared to Jerry White. He worked with and taught something about astronautics, astronautics, astroneutics. <laughs> I can't even spell those words. That's what he was dealing in. But here's what I love to happen for this morning. Where I am typically wired to try to keep things up, beat the energy up, you work with students, we try to do that. But could we exhale for a little bit today? Just breathe a little bit. Try to have a little bit of fun. Keep things upbeat. Things are going to look through together this morning. At no point, however, do I want to seem callous or dismissive. Because these are very serious times. The economic, social, racial, and cultural stakes right now are all incredibly high. This has, without a doubt, beyond compare and nearly beyond reason, been an unprecedented season in history and certainly in my life. How are you all doing? In light of all those things, I wish we were seated closer, more intimately, so I could hear your answers. How are you doing? Our staff here is certainly concerned and wondering how our beautiful people are doing during this time. Now, we share enough cultural commonalities. I might be able to guess how you're doing. We have enough in common. But in a truly wild 2020, how are you doing? I have a video representation of a pretty good, a clear-cut version of how, what the year 2020 has been like to this point. Now, as you're watching the video, I want you to pay special close attention to the t-shirts that are being worn. But here is a, just a short presentation of if 2020 was a person. Man, I, I'm telling y'all, I'm going to miss every single one of you. I mean, it wasn't all bad, right? At least you got Baby Yoda, right? <laughs> 2020! Hey, hey. What's up, yeah. man? 2020. Good to see you, pal. Have you lost weight? <laughs> You look great, by the way. Just a couple of tips. In the spring, they're going to release a documentary called Tire King. <laughs> uh, just number one, they're going to hate it at first, but then everyone's going to love it. Okay, and by the way, BT Dub, she did it. Get out. <laughs> okay. Oh, by the way, um, the movie Cats, biggest apologies, okay? I'm really, I really apologize. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Is that fire? Oh, we, oh, he's lighting a candle, everyone. <laughs> what are you doing? Come on, Mike. <laughs> Don't. Don't. Are you listening? I said, Don't. Whew. I thought there was about to be another. It's Corona time. What is that? Hey, it's Corona time right now. <laughs> What's Corona time? What's Corona? <laughs> man, that's it, man. I'm going to go attend a large social gathering, dude. Please, no. I want to go to Florida. That's it. I'm going anyway. Large social gatherings? That means we could still meet, right? Of course. <laughs> that's great. Online. What? We don't know how to do that. Not my job, not my prop. Well, at least I can still graduate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Money! We're gonna be rich! Why are they laughing? <laughs> Don't worry about it. What are you doing? Oh, me? I'm just planning my vacation for Down the Keys this weekend. But now, I gotta reserve my week at Disney. Look at this. <laughs> oh! <laughs> hey, how you doing? Uh, we got some unexpected but unwanted surprises for 2020. Yeah. All right, sign ya. You guys got a party going on? 
something like that. All right, take it easy. What's that? Oh, this? Just something I got for you guys. What's in the box? What's in the box? Please, no. Not the Olympics. Yes! Oh, come on! on. Are you... Come on. Please, stop. I thought it was going to get worse. Oh, come on! I love that. That clearly is some youth ministry workers without a whole lot of other things to do. Made up handwritten signs. They're bringing in broke down boxes for things. If 2020 was a person and came into my office, there would be a few extra goodies in that dangerous box. I, had sh I got shingles this year. Yeah, don't do that. That's a terrible thing. How many of you have seen more Miller moths this year than in your entire lifetime? I didn't know such a thing was possible. So many moths. Root canals, crowns, permanent and temporary. It's terrible. This year has been unlike any other. Did you notice some of the t-shirts in the video clip? Introverts and extroverts, I especially like that one. And there aren't too many of our students laughing about the fact that senior graduations got knocked right out. Oh, that's sad. Another reason I like the video is there's some pretty good beard game in the, in the video going on. Jonathan said last week during the benediction that we might just talk about growing epic beards today since I was speaking today. Which just so folks know, this is not an epic beard. There are typically two men who lead worship up here on guitar and lead vocals who make this look like child's play. I haven't even begun to grow a beard here. There's always a bigger, better beard. Plus, it's really tough to keep an epic beard while wearing a mask. It's either matted down or looks like a furry ski jump popping out from underneath the mask. It's hard to keep the beard game on point. Even during his sermon last week, Jerry White alluded to trying to grow a beard during his military career, which was very long. His beard growing was not. But I love Jerry. He's an amazing man, has likely forgotten more about the Bible than I could ever possibly learn. And if you've not watched last, last week's sermon, do it. Look it up and check it out. Talking about why work. I was super challenged and encouraged by the content. I need to be reminded of the why behind the what of my work. Now I was in the church office upstairs after first service last Sunday kind of preparing in between services. And there were four teenage girls sitting at the staff table. There was a big kitchen table up there. They were all seated around there laughing and hoo-hawing. Now these four girls are about to transition into the eighth grade here at Pulpit Rock Student Ministries. And if I were to say the word dynamite, would you get some idea about what this group of girls is like? Like this is a group that's get out of the way. This is the kind of group that in a couple of years we're just going to give them the keys to things and let them do whatever they want. What a dynamic group of girls. But they were laughing and so I said, hey, why aren't you girls in church? Classic student pastor move. They said, we were just in church. And then they tried to scatter. So I called them back to the table and said, well, let's see what you learned during the first service at Jerry White's sermon. These are the girls that were sitting at the table. I said, hey, what'd you learn during first service? One of the girls said, Jerry was in the Air Force. True. One of the girls said something about living to work and working to live. Hey, we're getting somewhere. He did definitely talk about that. Another young lady sitting at the table said, somebody was out of toilet paper. Another person brought him some. We're somewhere in the vicinity of the sermon, right? But finally, one of the young ladies said, well, whatever you do, do it for God and do it the best you can. Don't do it for other people. There we go. That landed, Colossians 3.23. Now, a lot of you know these four girls, and you might be able to try to match which answer went with which young lady. 
I'll let you do that on your own time. But Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it for God, do it heartily. But don't do it for men might have been a great place to kick off for today because I love Colossians 3.23. But for today, anytime you set the stage saying, hey, Mark, just talk about whatever God has been teaching you, pretty much could lead to endless possibilities, could it not? But if we could, for our time together today, could we find the book of James? In student ministries, if we use our Bibles, we call that kicking it old school. You might want to kick it new school today on your phone, on an app, on computers. Those of you at home, certainly with iPads. Would, could we find the book of James together? And before we go any further, my word, what a, great, what a great blessing to see as many young people in the room together today. High school, college kids, thank you for being here today. Uh, what a blessing to see your faces here. The book of James. And we're going to navigate chapter 1 together here in just a moment. I'm going to give you a second to find it. I want to make sure we're ready to go. At the beginning of February this year, 2020, I was gifted, very much blessed to be able to go on a trip to Lebanon and Jordan as part of a staff team that went to see what's happening, the daily miracles that are taking place in Lebanon and in Jordan through a thousand lighthouses, which I hope you realize by now, Pulpit Rock has been very faithful and generous to give to financially. There are miracles happening every single day in these places through these lighthouses. Our brother, Pastor Mohammed Yamut, is clearly anointed. I've never seen anything like it. Muhammad gets whatever Muhammad wants. God is pushing his people and his plan forward in some of these very dark places. I can tell you from firsthand experience that it's vital that we continue to be in support of these lighthouses. But this last week and a half ago, I was able to sit on a Zoom meeting. We all, do I dare ask, we know what Zoom is, right? My leadership coach is calling us Zoombies now. It's all we seem to do is be on Zoom. But this was a great use of Zoom was to see somebody in a foreign country, Mohammed Yamut was talking about what's going on in these lighthouses. And the picture he was painting was a bit grim. He said maybe by the end of the year, 75% of the population could be on food handouts. But there won't be any food to give them. They're having a tough time getting their food out and a tough time getting outside food in to feed people. But God is making a way through tire church in Lebanon that people can come and be fed and sustained, certainly with food, but also with the word. There's more than one Sunday's worth of stories from that trip. But what I wanted to do today, if you'd play along, was to do something here that we did every day we were in the Middle East. It's called the public reading of scripture. People would travel long, long distances, travel a long time. They'd walk, they'd get rides to the church to come read Psalm 38. Then they just go home. They were hungry enough for something. They would drive and travel to hear the word, and then they would go. So would you? Could we do this together? Would you stand with me? I'd like to lead us in a public reading of Scripture from James chapter 1 today. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. 
Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. That wasn't too bad, right? Only 27 verses? At least it wasn't Psalm 150? Good. Some of you that landed with some of you. That's good. That's a really long chapter. I love the book of James. It's a favorite. Now, I believe that skip, Scripture, the entirety of Scripture, all of it to be true. I don't find all of it to be especially helpful. I believe in its entirety that it's true that he begat, he begat, he begat, he begat him. I don't find that stuff especially helpful in each, each day as I try to be more like Jesus. But I love the book of James. For me, outside of the Gospels, who told of the very life and nature of Christ, the book of James is the how-to manual for how to live like Jesus. It's almost like Christianity for dummies, which is why I must like it so much. It's a favorite. It's practical. It's real. It's doable. Over the last several months, I've walked through this book a number of times with um, some college guys that I've been hanging out with. Brendan Miller, who we graduated, who's in Annapolis at the U.S. Naval Academy right now, he and I walked through this book just up until the time that he left uh, to go to Annapolis. And boy, I miss Miller. His mama texted me a while ago saying he's doing well. He's in the Word each day, and it's helping to sustain him. Was James written early on in the church? Was it written later? I don't care. What does it have to teach me today? Because what we're trying to do is ask the Holy Spirit to help us take Scripture that was written thousands of years ago and transfer it into the modern day, transport it here to see how it can affect my life. That's the quest for us for the next few remaining minutes uh, that we have here together. There's some pretty outlandish world records out in the world. 
I'm going to put four numbers on the screen. Would you take a look at the four numbers? Which of those four do you think is the world record for the number of skips of a flat rock across the water surface? Ridiculous world record, but it does exist. And we've all done this, right? Stood on the water's edge at a pond or a lake and skipped a rock across. See how many we can get done? We've root choked. Some of us have truly lived. By a raise of hands, how many of you folks in the room think that the, the number is 39? The world record for 39 skips of water across the surface. I see that hand. I see that hand. How many of you folks think it might be 54 skips of a rock across the surface of a pond or a lake before it ends and drops? I see that hand. At home, we see those hands. Anybody in the room think it's 88 skips of a rock across a pond or surface of the water? Boom. Winner. The number's 88 skips of a rock across a pond or surface of water. I have visual proof. Check it out. I don't know how you count those. You'd have to slow that thing way down to figure out and get validated the numbers of, of skips across the surface of the water from that rock. But that's what we're going to try to do today. We don't have time for 27 skips across the book of James. We're just going to skip a couple of times in some key verses of Scripture that I think feel are really, really impacting me. Let's skip first right away in verse 1. Are we ready? Verse 1, James chapter 1. James, a servant to James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes. This is a letter. James is writing a letter to a mass public of people. He kept the greeting pretty general because he's of, of the idea this is going to go out to a massive number of people. Can we be assured today that James, or James was like a hub? He was shipping things out to a mass number of people. The Apostle Paul was more like the roving reporter, right? He was always out and about checking on the churches that he had planted. But James says a servant to a certain group of people. He certainly was a church leader in the early church in Jerusalem. Paul always seemed to be out and about. But James identifies himself as a servant, and only servant. That's all he lists there. Paul would identify himself as servant and apostle, but James stopped at servant. That was good enough for him. Which in the world we live in today, that might be like a lesser title, right? That you're someone's servant. If you were to write a letter today that you know would be here thousands of years later and really, really have a God-inspired impact in people's lives, how would you title yourself? I'd love to hear some of these responses from people. If you're really thinking about it and you would go down in the history books as having written something, how would you title yourself? Because do we live in a world that has a lot to do with titles and clout and reputation? James chose servant of all the things that he could have picked. He could have picked teacher, author, leader in the early church. He could have just said, dude, Jesus is my brother. That would have probably gotten some people's attention. Of all the things he chose, servant. This translated ancient term is doulos. The word doulos, say it with me, doulos. It signified a belonging to Christ, that we belong, that James belonged to the Lord. He was the possession of. Christ was his owner. And with this term, doulos, it brings three absolutes with it. It brings, from James' perspective, absolute obedience, absolute humility, and absolute loyalty. Are we beginning to get the idea of the word absolute? It means unwavering, unfaltering. We don't miss. It's absolute. Absolute obedience as the servant, doulos, to know no law but the masters. Years and years ago, I went to, on a mission trip to Spain. 
And we went there to do some teaching and some preaching and went to build some things. It was a beautiful place. You want to you escape? Go to Spain. But a broken and a dark world just like the rest. But they kept praying, and in their prayers they would say the words, El Señor, El Señor, El Señor. Well, I went to Spain. I, I took Spanish in the seventh grade. I'm like, why are they calling him Mr.? Why are they calling him sir? But translated, the word means owner. This population of people were recognizing God as you are my owner. I belong to you. you. There has been a price paid for me, and I belong to you. That's what James is saying here, servant. Absolute humility to lose oneself. Are we in a world that's about losing oneself? No. We live in a world of self. We are day after day trying to convince 5th through 12th graders here at Pulpit Rock Student Ministries that you find your life by giving it away to people, putting others before yourself, absolute loyal, and that absolute loyalty to have no personal interests. Your only interests are to God. What must have happened that James would choose this as his title? What must have taken place? Because in, in Jesus' early ministry, his family wasn't even that big of a fan of him. They saw that stuff as antics. In fact, in Mark chapter 3, they went to get Jesus and take charge of him because people were convinced he had just lost his mind. What happened that James would pick this as his title? I think he saw Jesus dirt before, during, and after. And his life was never the same. He was transformed into doulos. And because I had seen what I had seen, I would give myself in absolute to the Jesus that did it. And so should we be so changed? This lowly title, though, brings James major pride. He was prideful of the title and puts him on a bit of a who's who list in the Old Testament. According to the book of 1 Kings, Moses, Dulos. According to the books of Numbers and Joshua, Joshua and Caleb, Dulos, servant. According to the book of Deuteronomy, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you've heard of them? Yes, Dulos. And according to the book of Job, Job, you get it, say it. Dulos. He's put himself in a famed list. Who am I do loss to truly? Then the book of James, realizing that, gives an amazing set of instructions about how to live. Here we go. Next skip. Happens right away in verses 2 through 4. Join me again. Let's read them quick. Verses 2 through 4. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What a passage for us, right? In the summer of 2020, you want to talk about trials and tribulations. Here we are. As I've looked through this time and time again, there's always words that jump off the page at me as 2020 continues to hit us with right cross after right cross. Joy, trials, testing of faith. But the word that pops out to me, especially now, where I am my journey is perseverance. This passage is a beautiful string of cause and effect, almost if-then statements. If you do something, then something else results. If something takes place, this will be the effect of your growth. The word is perseverance for today. It's defined as doing something despite difficulty or a delayed in achieving success. We're not against doing difficult things, right? How many of us, though, like the idea of waiting on delayed achievement or success? Do we live in a world of waiting for success? No. And working with them as much as I possibly can, this teenage generation is being pushed 
toward those things. Albert Einstein once said, it's not that I'm so smart, it's just that I stay with problems longer. He perseveres. As a student pastor, this is the word. Living in El Paso County where teenage death by suicide at one point reached epidemic levels and was gaining national attention. I can tell you perseverance is the word. We as Pulpit Rock Church who are desperately desiring to bring the kingdom here to Colorado Springs, perseverance is the word. In the kingdom, teens don't cut themselves to release pain or gain some sense of control. In the kingdom, students don't ingest illegal or prescription drugs to escape. Perseverance is the word. In the kingdom, teenagers don't lose hope and take their own lives. Parents of children of all ages, could I beg, could I plead, could I implore you, please let perseverance be the word. In a world, a culture, a school system that stresses so much achievement and success, we have to learn to persevere. Our next quick skip is into verse 17. Will you look at it with me quickly? James chapter 1, verse 17. I memorized this as a younger person, but then again, that taking ancient texts and transporting into the modern day, what does this verse mean for me in the summer of 2020? Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. What does this look like for us today? In the midst of all this trial and tribulation and trouble, what do these good and perfect gifts look like in our lives? And this would be a natural discussion. If we were closer together, I would love to hear your responses. What do your good and perfect gifts look like from the Father of Lights right now today? What are those things that we can recognize as being from Him? Take a quick look at my latest rendition of a good and perfect gift from the Father of Lights. That's my grandson, Kobe, who turned two months old today. What a beautiful baby. He's a good and perfect gift in my life, and God has given to him to me to remind me of that, those things. We need babies in our lives constantly to remind us just how good Jesus is to us. He's so beautiful, and he's kicking my butt. I love him. We're going to skip right over verses 19 through 26. Find them in your Bible. We're going to skip right over them. That's your homework for the week. In fact, this might be my favorite part of chapter one, is doing the things that James says to do. That's your homework for the week. Do it. Just check it out. There's some great how-to stuff in there. Here we go. Our final skip together this morning is going to be in verse 27. We'll skip to it and end in verse 27. Could we read it together? Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The ancient word translated here for religion is threskea. And in this instance, it doesn't mean the outward ceremonial liturgical part of worship, the stuff we see on the outside, but of the practical service to others and the purity of personal living. Go back to it. The practical service to other people is what's being mentioned here. In doing some commentary study for this for the sermon today, and with study with some guys in recent, William Barclay put out a commentary on the book of James, and this is what he has to say, that it is perfectly possible for a church to be so taken up with the beauty of its buildings and the splendor of its liturgy that it has neither the time nor the money 
for practical Christian service. May I so boldly say, not this church, not Pulpit Rock Church. We want to be the church with the time and the money for practical Christian service. Could we eventually be a church that gives away more money than we keep? It's a dream. It's your senior pastor dream, I'll tell you that right now. Jonathan's dreaming of a day where we could be in a position we would give way more than we would ever keep in practical, daily, personal Christian ministry. Orphans and widows, back to verse 27. We get the picture, right? These are ancient times. Orphans, children left parentless, void of provision, left unprotected. They're not safe. Widows left husbandless in a time and culture that did not respect women above basically property. These people were to be watched out for, looked out for, provided for. In the modern day, this is the outcast, the neglected, the forgotten, the unseen, the unheard, the unnamed, the marginalized, and the disenfranchised. So here's where we beg the question, who are your people? Now I know that we're supposed to care for all people. That's not what I'm saying. But who are your people? Because let's be real, aren't there some who are more yours than others? God has wired us in unique and special ways to be able to minister to and be interested in the lives of people. Students are my orphans and widows. That's who I truly feel called to. They're my orphans and widows. I love a culture that talks about at-risk students. Based on the world they live in, they're all at risk. But they are mine. Who are your people? When you hear of them and your struggles, your heart rate rises a little bit. Orphans and widows, hearing about foster children possibly sleeping on floors. Luke Robleski, love your neighbor team. They build bunk beds. Orphans and widows, at any discussion of sex trafficking, our senior pastor, Jonathan Cleveland's hair stands on its end, which is a trick. He doesn't have any. He goes and gives in some of the world's very darkest places. Orphans and widows, the journey of the LGBTQ community brings our very own Roland Smith running. So then he goes and he builds communities of welcome and care and compassion. Orphans and widows, homeless, homelessness and loneliness has pained our very own Cindy Limbrick. So she goes and sits and paints and listens with the homeless. The suffering of refugees in the Middle East is breaking Pulpit Rock Church's heart. So we give generously, financially, to a thousand lighthouses. And I can assure you that this has Pastor Mohammed Yamut's full attention. We believe in gathering and scattering, but in light of COVID, we are now gathered while we're scattered. So we gather at FH Beer Works. We meet on front porches. We meet in cul-de-sacs. We meet in backyards. Who are your people? This is Acts chapter 2 stuff, the early church. All we could do was hang out, share our money, share our food, and talk about Jesus. We're back there. The question is being begged, who are your people? And once answered, go get them. For many of us, it's our family of origin, our children, our parents, aunts and uncles, nieces and nephews and grandparents. For some of us, it's our, it's our family of choice. Do you understand the difference between the two? Family of origin and family of choice. I work with a teenage generation. They really relate to this family of choice. I choose my place. I choose my family. I choose home. 
This is the sick. This is the infirm. This is the incarcerated. This is the elderly. I've walked in villages in Minitree and Haiti and Quebec where the, these people are definitely outcasts, disenfranchised, the elderly. And it's heartbreaking. Orphans and widows. If we took a one mile length of string and planted it right here in the pulpit, one mile radius around us, all kinds of sea of people would pop up. Who are your people? Concord is right down there. Those transitioning out of incarceration. There's a major university right there. There's a skate park right down there. Let's go get our people. Religion found acceptable in God's sight. Let's continue to strive to be a church of people loving our way into the practical service of others. This is the last page of my notes this morning. I don't have anything written on it. Long-time tenured preachers would say, that's the, you're leaving room for the Holy Spirit at the end. Could we be challenged together today as a church body? Doulos, perseverance, good and perfect gifts. And who are your people? Would, could we be challenged together today to identify those things and go chase? Let's pray together. Father God, what a day you have given us today, and your mercies are, will continue to be new. Thank you for teaching us how to be new each day, the reassurance that we are not done. Father, would you call us into absolutes in your service? Help us to be loyal and obedient and humble. Father, you've put us in a unique time, in a place, in a season, in a neighborhood, in a church building. Help to bring to our hearts and our minds and our eyes your people, our people. And then, Father, just give us a great passion to be in pursuit of them, but mostly of you. Father, lead us in worship. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. What an amazing word that was. Can you please stand to you?